Previously on the prompt. Because I, I had this image of of a talking snowman in my head, and now all, all I can all I can picture is an actual human being. And, <laughs> you know. Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. It's July thirty first. 2013. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Federico Vitici and Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, hey. there. Hey. I, I wondered if anybody was there. I thought I might have been I didn't want to talk moment. over Federico, but then we did. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to talk first because, uh, you know, I'm shy. <laughs> are you? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> How are you guys? Good. Um... You know, I'm still in the bathroom, so... Are you still in there? You've been in there all week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are, are they sleeping no, no, I, I, under the door? No, actually, no. I went to the beach last week. So, oh. um, But apparently, uh, people are still around my house, so <laughs> it's the only location that I have to, you know, kind of be alone. The acoustics with. are great. Uh, I hope so. That's yeah, what matters. Yeah, you sound good. The porcelain really is uh, good for that. It accentuates the Italian accent. Everybody knows this. It's true. Uh, it's uh, I, I believe it's uh, the uh, the science. There's science involved. So what's up today, Stephen? Uh-huh. What's up today? What are we talking about? We have some feedback. Um, mm-hmm. We have a musical interlude by Federico's band. They are all in the bathroom with him. Right. That's not true. Uh, we're going to talk about Google on iOS. We're going to talk about the Nexus 7. And we're going to wrap up with some app picks. That sounds excellent. It's a good show. I'm excited about the show. So let's do some feedback. Follow up. Uh, last week we spoke about the uh, Apple developer site. As everybody knows, it was down uh, for a week or so. And I'm not kidding. Literally like six minutes after we stopped recording, uh, Apple uh, had a, a new release uh, an update saying, hey, some things are coming back online. And they released a system status page, which is available. You can go to it right now. Uh, currently, on uh, July 31st, uh, the Xcode automatic configuration, the member center technical support, and program enrollment are all still down. But you can get to the Mac and iOS downloads. Uh, you can get to videos now. That came online just a couple days ago. Uh, iTunes Connect and, and those things are there as well. So, you know, roughly 85% of stuff is back. Uh, Apple is still, uh, they're really, I mean, I think they're doing the right thing. If you, you know, uh, for instance, if your account expired during the downtime or even now, uh, they're not going to hold that against you. And they'll extend your um, your membership until you can renew it, uh, which is nice. So, you know, if your app gets pulled from the App Store because your developer account goes away, that would be bad. So... Can we expect that 10 minutes after this week's episode, either everything will go away again, or it will all shut down again, or it will all come back? Like, something's going to happen, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that they they wait for for us to finish. I mean, um, you know, they have access to our MacBooks. Do you think they'll ever explain what happened exactly? You know, I don't know. I, mean, I have that. I have that note in my question. Like, do we think there'll be any fallout for Apple executives, or you know, or people getting fired, that sort of thing? And I really, I really don't know. Um, the closest thing that uh, the thing that I think of when I think about this is like uh, the antenna gate thing around the iPhone four, where like people were just badgering Apple, and Apple came out very defensively and kind of was like, you know, 
here's a case, but we don't have a problem type thing. And I wonder, you know, what the hell they're going to approach this. Um, Apple's obviously a different company than they were then. But I don't know. My guess is they're going to be quiet, you know, that we're not going to hear anything else. That it's just going to all come back online and people will just move on. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think you can compare the, the, the antenna gate or the, you know, previous, uh, uh, I guess, debates on, on, on privacy, like the location stuff a couple of years ago with a, with a, with a security breach of, of a developer center. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that's a good analogy. I'm saying like, that's the thing I think of. Like, like if Apple were to get on stage and talk about this, would they be defensive? You know, would they be honest and open? I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think a, I think us as like the Apple tech media, I don't think we were hard enough on Apple about this downtime. Um, I think people kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt because they were like honest and transparent, but at the same time, they really weren't. Like their message was still kind of vague, and they only updated it a couple of times. But mm-hmm. in the world of Apple, that's like as transparent as you can get, right? Like that's like Apple throwing the doors open by saying, you know, we have this breach. And so I, I think they're going. They've said what they're going to say about it. Can you can you imagine if this instead of happening in, in July, what if it happened like in September when when iOS seven was about to come out and developers were waiting for for new app launches, and I, I mean it could have been much much worse. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what that would have been so like. In, in, a way they, in a way, they they maybe they got lucky, you know, because it happened, you know, iOS 7 was beta 3, and, and developers are still working on, on new apps. So I guess that maybe even 10 days on downtime, they didn't affect as much as they would have if this happened two months from now. So... Do you not think that, like, I mean, it, where it's obviously not, maybe not as important, like, it's just still a very important time um, it, for developers because, you know, that they're working hard on, on developing their apps and they, they didn't have, they weren't able to get into the developer center. And I mean, I'm sure that causes many issues. Um, but do you think that maybe Apple owes a explanation to developers? Like maybe you know to just to give some sort of indication as to what has actually happened, especially considering that there may have been some data loss, some personal data loss. Yeah, I think I think we'll we'll see more on the on the on the status page. You know, kind of uh, some sort of updated message from 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 the developer team because I mean they, they they said that we they were working around the clock to keep developers posted on the status and I feel like if all the dots go back to green on the status page and they don't post any sort of explanation the developer community is gonna is gonna ask ask for one eventually so uh, I hope that they will maybe not share every detail of the of the breach uh, of the of the attack but maybe go into uh, a little deeper explanation of what happened exactly and, and the kind of data loss that could have occurred. I think that they have a duty of care to do that personally um, in this instance. like I feel like because they, they gave an amount of information, I feel like they need to give the rest. They yeah. can't just be like, so you know, there was a security problem, uh, some data may have been lost, we're going to fix it. 
here's some lights, they all go green, don't worry yeah. about it, we fixed it. Like, I don't feel like that's, as you say, I don't think that's sufficient, really. Yeah, in my opinion, it's a discussion they need to finish, you know, because they said there's been a security breach and we're working, but then you can not just, you know, stop it there. Right, uh, it's uh, not uh, like, uh, you know, mobile me calendar syncing stopped for an hour and, you know, uh, it was down, but now it's back up the end. Uh, people's businesses exist in this and you know and like there's you know credit card information and stuff and apple says right now that all that's fine that was untouched but like i want to reset my password to the dev center and right now you i tried it earlier and i couldn't and so i still feel like there's there's another shoe to drop where like they're going to say hey we're going to force everybody to reset their password or you know uh, something like i I don't think they can just keep making gray boxes into green circles and be done with it Oh, that's so strange. Like they've had a security breach. You wanted to change your um, your password, but can't. That's so strange to me. Well, I mean, just because the member st- side of its stuff is still down. Like you can. Um, let's go right now. I feel like a mandatory password change should have already happened, though. By now. Yeah, like you can go in and you can sign in. Um. I don't know, like, there's just, you keep, I keep running into things that, like, aren't there, and you get the linen with the, like, oh, we're so sorry. Like, you go to, like, the member center, and it's not there, but I can go to, like, my profile, and I can log in again. I think they failed the other day. So, yeah, it's still, they're still obviously working, um, but I really just wonder, like, you know, what, is there going to be fallout? Like, are we going to see Eddie Q get on stage, or send a, an email to registered developers, like, you know, part of it is so like we're not really sure who's in charge of this. They, they, uh, the guys over at Accidental Tech Podcast talked about this a couple episodes back. Like on paper, on paper, Phil Schiller is in charge of the developer program, but like it's an internet service, so Eddie Q's group should be in charge of it. Like it feels like it's kind of in between people. And Marco had raised the question of, um, do developers need a a representative at the executive level at Apple. Should there be a senior vice president of developer relations? And maybe after this, you know, maybe it's a, a more solid case to say, yes, like we're a huge vital part of the community without developers. iOS would not be what it is. Maybe they need a voice at the table. Unlike what they've had before. I mean, do you guys, do you guys think that that's crazy talk? No, I don't. Did Federico, did you fall off the toilet? What was that sound? Are you okay? No, uh, yeah, uh, I was getting more comfortable in my chair. <laughs> and uh, I think that it that it's not too crazy to imagine like uh, a figure like M- Michael Jurowitz. What uh, is Jury on Twitter? Yeah, I think that's somebody that can you know uh, voice the developer community's concerns to to the higher executives at Apple. I don't think that it's crazy to imagine that eventually we will. We'll we'll see uh, a vice president of of developer relations, because I mean you, you can seriously imagine that as the as the developer community grows bigger and bigger with thousands of developers around the world, you're gonna you're gonna have the marketing guy in in charge of that sort of stuff, because uh, you know uh, as Apple keeps selling more devices and 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 developers sign up and and these devices depend on, on the apps that are that are made for them, Apple. Uh, I think that it, that they want to to properly, you know, deal with this community with a with a with a team that 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 has a real, uh, I guess, 
figure and, and boss that, 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 that is well represented. I think it should be Big Bob Mansfield's next job. Yeah, so, yeah. so he's out as a executive vice president or senior vice president, whatever he was, still at the company mm-hmm. doing, quote, special projects. And uh, someone, maybe it was underscore David Smith, had a, a, a tweet that was like, you know, this makes sense because you would think now, I mean, it's basically August. It is August for you guys now. Um, that Oh, yeah, you're right. Happy August. Um, Yay. That they're basically wrapping up with fall products. And so maybe Bob Mansfield is kind of done with what he set out to do and is now doing something else. A special project. It's all about special projects. Special, yeah, well, this guy's, special business. This, yeah, this guy's got nothing on me. No, okay. you, you did the special business. They did the special projects. Yeah, you know, special business, it's, it's the next level. This guy's still doing projects. Uh, I'm beyond projects. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Stephen both run to the document to start writing things down. That's, that's the previous clip. I, I think that I think that IDQ should, should like send uh, an apology to developers with a Vine selfie. <laughs> you know, like a six-second <laughs> video, and it's like doing his, his best sad face. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. We we, we had a downtime, and, and and you kind of get this Vine video on on your email account. I, I think that'd be kind of cool, you know. I think the I stock mean, the, would the, implode. Uh, if I were an investor, I would seriously buy millions of stock. <laughs> you know, this guy is on Twitter. He's posting Foursquare check-ins. So why can he can he you know shoot a selfie with Vine or something? The guy clearly knows how to use apps. So <laughs> I mean, he probably has an iPhone. I mean, he probably can download apps for, for free. I mean, he runs the whole iTunes business. So <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 it is interesting, and you know, I think that maybe if we see anything out of this, you know, I think a, a, an Apple way of handling this would be some point in the future, in the fall, sometime. Say, hey, you know, we have a little restructuring. The developer center is now underneath. Eddie Q, for instance, and not make it about who it was under, but make it about who it will be under in the future. Um, you look at the forestall thing, you know, the, the can forestall, but the the language is all about like uh, collaboration. And Johnny Ive is ha- handling software and hardware design now, and you know maybe they'll put that kind of positive spin on it, like how you know, okay, Eddie Q has like killed it with the iTunes and app stores, and now he's gonna head of the developer center too, and. You know, maybe, maybe that's all we get is just a who is going to be responsible for it in the future. Yeah, they're not going to do selfies. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, lo- I would, Federico, I would love to be wrong about that, but I think they're not going to do it. Yeah, realistically, I, I don't think we'll see the selfies. But Personally, it's a shame. It's a shame because there's huge pot- potential. You know. I would like to see a senior vice president of selfies. That's what I want. I mean, it's it's a universal language for awesomeness. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I, I think, think it is. I think at this point we should maybe take a break. I think maybe we should not come back after the break. <laughs> <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by the fine folks over at Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and great support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even making your site look fantastic no matter what device people are coming to it from because they feature responsive web design. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. While you're there, over at squarespace.com, make sure you check out the new homepage. It has amazing videos that are really awesome, and they show you just how Squarespace fits everyone differently when they're coming to create in their space online. Make sure you click the little arrows that you'll see on the side so you can see all of the awesome videos that they've created, which really gives you an idea of just the type of websites that you can create and how many different types of people that they fit. As I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required, and if you decide to purchase, their plans start at just $8 a month and include a custom domain name for free if you sign up for a year. And don't forget, you'll get 10% off and support the prompt by using the offer code TALLYHO, that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. So go check out Squarespace, everything that you need to create an exceptional website. You're still there, gentlemen. I think I'm still alive. I'm here. It's thundering outside, though, which is very exciting. I can't hear it. It's quiet thunder. You should go outside and record the thunderstorm for us. I have a really long Ethernet cable. Mm. Run the Mac, run the MacBook Air out there. It can be like a special correspondence weather report. <laughs> if we should definitely incorporate weather reports into the prompt, we can find a way. Life will so find we're a gonna, way. We're going to talk about. Um, Google in iOS today, right? Yes. Federico, why don't you set this, set this topic up? Yeah, uh, this is something that I've been thinking about for quite a while now. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a fairly big user of Google Apps on iOS, especially after they started relaunching and rebranding all their apps. So uh, as you know, I'm a, my default browser is Google Chrome, and I say default for as much as Apple allows uh, a third-party app to be to be you know to be the the, the one that that you use regularly on on the system, and they got Google Now, they got the new Google Maps, they got the new Gmail app, they got YouTube and Google Hangouts. So they created all this rich and uh, and uh, and uh, very, I guess, um, native ecosystem on iOS, and uh, even if. Even if some parts of, of, of the apps that, that, that they have relaunched are still heavily based on web views, they, they, they have all this collection of apps that can communicate to each other. So, for instance, if you have Gmail, you can choose to open uh, web links in Google Chrome. And, uh, and if you are in Google Chrome, you can open videos in the YouTube app. So all these, app can, these apps can communicate to, with each other. And, uh, and, uh, and Google is using some clever techniques to... Uh, to 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 make these apps uh, communicate and and exchange and exchange data, so they they rely on URL schemes. So, for instance, Google Chrome uses the X callback URL protocol to to you know to uh, to to be launched by other apps and to take the user back. And um, so, my question is: um, Do you feel like, in a way? Uh, Google is sort of infiltrating 
the the the, the iOS ecosystem and and do you think that's uh, that for some people at least uh, is it possible to use only Google Apps on iOS uh, therefore avoiding Apple Apps like iMessage or Mail or I don't know Maps of course so if I look at my home screen I have three Google apps on my on my first screen. So I have Chrome in my dock, I have Google Drive and Google Maps um, on, on my iPhone home screen. Um, and I, I, I wouldn't use Safari on my phone, really. I, I, I'd much prefer Chrome, and I would not go anywhere near Apple Maps because they are not reliable for me at all um, in the places that I go in and, in and around London town. Um, so for me personally... The Google, the Google Apps and the Google Experience are, are key to using my iPhone. Um, I use Google Drive a lot, like an awful lot. All of, all of my podcast notes, all of my outlines and stuff are kept in Google Drive. So it's a very important app for me, just, just that one on its own. Um, but to answer your question to, directly, Federico, I, I do think that it is actually possible for um, an average user to use Google Apps primarily on their device. So like something like Chrome is a, um, a household brand now, I think. Um, maybe for some users more than Safari is. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's a much more popular browser than, than Safari, so I think that there's that one for one. I think that people, especially iPhone users that have used the iPhone before iOS 6, um, are under the impression um, that Google Maps is what they want over Apple Maps. Um, people want their YouTube app back. It's constantly those two apps are very, very frequently in the in the top three lists. Um, and I think for some people, like for many sort of standard users, between Chrome, YouTube, and Maps, that's like the majority of their um, the application uses that they would have, except for like text messages and phone. So, do you think that... Um, oh, I have Gmail as well, of course. Sorry, I, yeah. have four, I have four on my home screen. I have Gmail. Hmm. So, do you, do you feel like there's a, there's a certain amount of functionality that these apps will get? You know, because they can't be, right now, on iOS 6 and iOS 7, they can't be true replacements for Apple apps because there's no setting in the in the in the preferences of iOS devices to you know to tell an iPhone I want to use Google Chrome I don't want messages to open Safari I don't want Twitter to to open Safari so do you think that Google has reached the the the, the maximum amount of of features that they can implement without clashing against the limitations that Apple puts on iOS so, for instance, uh, uh, the latest example is Google Chrome getting the new data saving option, which is supposed to use a, a proxy to speed up web browsing, but that I kind of see as some sort of Google answer to the fact that they cannot use the JavaScript Nitro engine or Nitro engine. And um, so I wonder if they're, they're going to build these apps, they're going to make them great and good looking, but eventually they're still going to find the limitation that Apple has put and that they cannot go beyond. I think that the fact that 
Google have felt it necessary to implement callback URLs is for me the indication of that more than anything else. Like, you know, you know a lot about these URL schemes, Federico. I don't think there are any bigger apps than these that use URL schemes. Like, I can't think of a, a mainstream application bigger than, say, YouTube, you know, that is using URL schemes or Chrome. Like, th- this is pretty mainstream. And yeah, Well, they're, th- and- they're there to help keep you in that ecosystem, right? Yeah. So if you're in Gmail and you open a link, it can say go to Chrome or it can say, you know, go to YouTube and then come back. And they're kind of carving out, in a way, they're carving out their own little island on iOS. So you, you can stay within these Google apps for the most part, you know, for your main workload. Yes. And do you, do you think that people will notice, will notice eventually that Safari is faster but Chrome is cool. Does that make sense? I think... I th- Yeah, I think it could. And I think people would start to wonder why Chrome lets them do that, but Safari doesn't. Hmm. Like, why Why does Chrome let me switch between apps like this? Like, why do I get this button? The back button becomes, like, the switch back to YouTube button or whatever, you know? Or maybe why is Facebook or, I don't know, Flickr faster in Safari than... Than Google Chrome, and I say this uh, even if Facebook has an app, you'd be surprised to see how many people open Facebook in Safari. And you know why? Because uh, the w- the way that I see my friends using uh, their iPhones, like when when a, when a friend wants to to check on Facebook, and he doesn't have a, a, an iPhone uh, and he doesn't have the app, so uh, people exchange phones and they use the browser to log out and check on another account and log back in, and I'm surprised every time I see this happening, because, I mean, why would anyone not use the native app? Why wouldn't you carry your phone with the Facebook app in your pocket? But apparently people use the use Facebook through Safari a lot. So I wonder if, I wonder if eventually they're going to they're gonna be asking, why is Facebook so much faster in Safari than Chrome? And I wonder if, if these technical advantages that Apple has which become a limitation, you know, for Google, if they will be noticed by people eventually. I I wonder if somebody who's using the the web version rather than the native app is concerned about speed. Hmm. Also a good point. Yeah. Like, and that that it might not be a thing for them. They're just like, I just don't, I just, I don't want too many apps, or or whatever the reason is. Uh, maybe they don't know there's an app. Like, what do you think the reason would be for that, Federico? Why somebody would want to use Facebook and Safari? I don't know because maybe you 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 coming from a, from a from the way that things work on the desktop. You know, you open right. the browser, which is the thing that you use to go on, t- on the internet, and you're and searching you, in Google, like Facebook. yeah, and you're searching in Google for Facebook, and you know, millions of people do this. They don't have the concept of the address bar and typing a domain name. So coming from the from the idea that you need the thing to go on the internet, to go to Facebook, I think that many people use the mobile web version of Facebook in this way. Even if the Facebook app is the most popular free app on the store, I'm just saying that a good per- percentage of people use Facebook on mobile browsers. And and, and, and and therefore, I wonder if they're going to notice the speed difference between Safari and Chrome. But on the other hand, uh, people like us, you know, people who like to, to, 
to play around with these geeky things. The the fact that Google implemented the the X callback URL uh, protocol f- was a, a huge surprise last year uh, because this library and, and protocol was kind of popular. You know, it, it was uh, co-invented by Marco Armand and Greg Pierce, who's the the guy be, uh, behind drafts and terminology. And it was kind of popular, but then Google started using it in Chrome, and 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 I guess that that really uh, was a, a major turning point for for this protocol of URL schemes. And so people like me, uh, I, I'm I'm really happy every time I, uh, you know, I, I tap on a link like in Tweetbot, and I'm taken to to Google Chrome, and I can go back because I see the the back button that is branded with with the with the app's name and uh and of course I like to play around and build my own URL schemes and I'm kind of surprised by this difference between you know Google who is the 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 the, the company for the average user who who uses Google search and Gmail and YouTube and on iOS they they, they have this aspect but they also want to kind of be nice to the to the nerds like me and uh and I think it's interesting the the approach they they have taken, and I wonder if with iOS 7, they're gonna leverage the the new features even more. So, for instance, can you imagine if I don't know, maybe Google could download stuff in the background, like file downloads, which Safari can do, or maybe Gmail downloading the full content of emails in the background. I think that to answer my original question, even even if there will always be limitations imposed by Apple, I think that eventually developers find a way. And I think that Google has been smart enough to find uh, and to implement the the right uh, tools, you know, to keep people within their ecosystem, but also to kind of to make both kinds of users, the average user and, and, and the geeky iOS user happy. And, uh, and I'm curious to see how fast they will be in, a, in, a, in updating their apps for iOS 7. I wonder if they will be ready on day one. And, uh, and my guess is that they will be because it only makes sense at this point. Do you think that, uh, so the, the example that we've talked about several times and I think is really the most powerful example is, you know, turning the back button into an actionable thing. And it kind of makes it work sort of like the way it does on Android, where the back button means different things in in different scenarios. Do you think that's a little, like, too exposed for Apple's taste? Like, I think one reason callback URLs are still, like, haven't been banished by Apple is because it's, like, you can get around without them, and you can literally, like, run a device for years and never know that they're there. But like, if Google was like adding a back button and and doing all this kind of like more visual stuff, do you think it? Do you think it puts them uh, at an advantage or maybe even a disadvantage that you know they're they're exposing these things in a way that other developers might not necessarily? I think that what they want is to kind of get people used to this idea, so. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if if a user uh, discovers this kind of functionality on his own, like for for instance, uh, a Tweetbot user. Okay, so Tweetbot added Google Chrome support a few months ago. 
So if a tweet by user uh, sees that he can uh, set Chrome as the browser for opening links, and, and if he sees this kind of new back button with, uh, with that becomes actionable, I want. Uh, I wonder and 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 I imagine that they will you know they will start asking themselves if other apps can do that. So in a way yeah I believe that I believe that it's going to be an advantage for Google because uh it it, it kind of changes the, the the discussion you know because people are going to uh, some people at least I think are going to be wondering why can't I do this in the in the Apple apps, why if I choose Safari over Tweetbot, uh, over Chrome, sorry, in, in Tweetbot, why can't I have this nice button that takes me back? Instead, I have to you know double tap the the home button and 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 tap on on the on the Tweetbot icon or, or screenshot in iOS seven. So in a way, I think that being the implementation much better than Apple's, I think that. It's going to be an advantage for Google because people are going to think that it's cool and that it's well done because it is. So uh, I guess that more people are going to be asking for for this kind of integration and it doesn't seem to, to be going away in iOS 7 because URL schemes and callbacks and everything else, it's working just fine. So I think that Google has positioned their apps in a very good way because they, they can appeal both to the average and to the geek user. Yeah. I, I think as well that the URL schemes are are widely enough used now that Apple it would be a, a poor decision for them to to just re- to like ban them. Yeah, because even if you don't necessarily build the URL scheme yourself, like I do, like typing it out manually, if you see the Twitter client and then you tap on a link and you go to the browser, Google Chrome. And that's cool, you know, in the first place because it works. And then you see the back button that you tap it and you go back and you don't have to do anything else. How can you not think that that's a cool implementation and cool technology? And I love that it closes the tab as well. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, and that's the best part. And it's that's, the the best re- that's the reason why I can't go back to Safari. And I tried, like I said, a few weeks ago, I, I was going to try Safari as my main browser on iOS. And, you know, uh, I use Tweetbot and I use uh, RSS a lot. And every time I'm, I click on a link, I read the web page and, and then I go back to Tweetbot or Mr. Reader or whatever it is that I'm doing. And then maybe a few hours later when I open Safari again and I see all these tabs and it drives me crazy because they can't be closed out automatically by the system. Whereas Google has made so that you know, when you when you tap on the back button that they use in Chrome, the tab is also closed, and that is incredibly convenient because it says, you know, I read this page, I don't want to do anything else with it anymore. Just take me back and close this, and I want to forget about it. And I think that it's a much better implementation of of a uh, you know this kind of communication between apps than than what Apple is doing. Yeah, I mean, I think we're. I, mean, I think you're absolutely right. Where uh, this is too big of a thing for Apple to strip out. Like if they took this away, there would be some pretty serious uh, blowback, I think. But do you think that this is something that Apple uh, actively like encourages, or do you think it's just it, it happened and they're sort of indifferent to it, or 
that their hands are tied and they have to live with how it is? I don't think that it's something that they're encouraging because uh, without breaking the NDA, uh, I don't see any points of uh, of encouragement of this in in the you know in the documentation that they provide to developers. I think that it's something that happened because iOS supports URL schemes because I mean Safari itself has a URL scheme which is HTTP. That's a URL scheme if you think about it, and mm-hmm. so this is the sort of thing that happened. And the backing out now from this, I think it will drive uh, a great part of the community. I wouldn't say crazy, but maybe really pissed. So um, I think that it's going to be this way for the foreseeable future. I don't think that they're going to be announcing it with new features anytime soon. There's definitely not gonna be any major addition to 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 these interrupt communication workflows in uh, in iOS seven, at least not that we've seen in, in at WWDC. So I think that Apple maybe they're not exactly happy about how Google is, you know, like you said, Stephen building his own little Google Island on iOS. They're not happy, you know, about the fact that. People have to create Google accounts to use these Google apps, which are cool and which are popular. The same, the same way that they weren't happy when, after you know, the Maps apology last year, they had to recommend Map, Maps applications by 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 others, including Google. I think that it happened, and kind of it will stay this way, and Google will keep finding ways to to work around the, the limitations. And like any other developer, they're gonna they're gonna implement the, the new technologies in iOS seven, and I, and I can't wait to see with the new you know with the new background services and the new APIs for uh, for physics and and text layouts either how they're gonna augment the, the the iOS apps in in new ways. This is what I love about Google, like. That you know the way that they've they've done this stuff on iOS, like there's no other company that does the sorts of things that they would do, you know, that would have such a competitive and well-featured set of applications on a competing platform. Yeah, and and and, and their apps on iOS definitely aren't perfect. There are some things that really, really should be improved, especially in Google Hangouts which uh, is extremely buggy in some areas. It takes forever to load and, and, and it gets stuck sometimes and, and it's got double notifications on occasion. Mm-hmm. So it really should be improved. And, and Google Chrome too, I think that, uh, that they should find better ways to, to launch bookmarks and to, to integrate with a, with a main Google app. But, um, but yeah, like you said, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's been a... Um, it's been a major effort by Google to to deploy this kind of app ecosystem on iOS, and these apps, uh, for the most part, are really consistent with each other. So they share the same design language, and you can see some sort of common vision behind them. And um, and and I think for me, what's really cool is that at the end of the day, Google is a is a third party developer like anybody else. So they can decide to 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 support the the technologies that they want. They can support a little thing called X callback URL like, like anybody else. 
and 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 they can do whatever they want as long as they stay within the limitations of iOS, which, as we've seen so far, they're pretty well defined, but also because they are well defined limitations, they 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 encourage innovation in other corners that maybe Apple isn't considering. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's you know to me it's one of the most fascinating parts of iOS development because it is it is so fluid in a lot of ways and you know developers can can hook into it um, which is little pieces of their application so you, you know I mean Federico like you do all the time you can build these little workflows that you know solve like your unique problem I think that's really interesting I think it makes iOS feel more like a desktop OS than it really is um, and you know I'm glad it's it's sticking around and I, I hope that that Apple in the future encourages it and you know maybe exposes it in some new ways in the system to make it easier for especially easier for like end users to build these workflows. Uh, right now it's still you know very much a nerd thing. You know, we just we just need uh, a Google Calendar app at this point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, although if it's like Hangouts on the Gmail app, it would be so slow that I'd throw <laughs> my phone out the window. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stephen, do you do you want to tell us how's your speaking of Google, your Nexus Seven? Yeah, so it's right here. So I I, um, I went to Best Buy this weekend and picked up the 2013 Nexus Seven. Uh, so if you've if you played with one last year, it's 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 similar. Um, the big story here, though, is the screen. It is a uh, basically a retina level screen. I don't, Mike, do you remember the exact specs from the thing? It's like 331 PPI, maybe mm. we can, we can look I'll, it up, but yeah, I'll look it up now. Um, crazy high resolution. It really makes the iPad mini screen look really sad. Um, and like gross, uh, a little bit thinner, a little bit faster than last year. Uh, the bezels are crazy. Like it's real thin on the edges, but super tall. Like, the top and bottom bezel are like thicker than my thumb is wide, um, which is makes it feel kind of childish. I think that Google wants you to use this in landscape, but Android doesn't work very well in landscape on tablets. Like you get buttons in weird places, and I, I don't know. It, it feels a little weird to use it in portrait because it's so tall, but it feels weird to use it in landscape because the OS doesn't like it. So 323 ppi so i mean so, <laughs> destroys the ipad mini basically <laughs> it's a, on a 1920 by 1200 ips display yeah the screen the screen really is amazing um but kind of like i wrote in my review like android is still kind of not awesome and and i want to talk to you, uh, you especially mike uh, you've carried an android phone much more recently than than i have i really feel like if the idea for someone like me to have a Nexus 7 is to like stay engaged in the Android ecosystem and like keep tabs on it, like maybe the Nexus 7 isn't a good device for that because Android maybe works better on a phone than it does a tablet. Does that make yeah. sense? If you want to keep up to date with Android and see what's going on in Android and get the best experience possible, you should have a stock phone, in my opinion. Um, and the Android tablet ecosystem is nowhere near as um, full as the um, Android ecosystem or the iPad ecosystem. And they're, they're really not the same. Like, an iPad 
um, to an iPhone is not what a Nexus 7 is to a Nexus 4. Like, then they're very different in that regard. Like, it's like a lot of uh, apps, especially the 7-inch displays, are big phone apps. Yeah. Um, and even though you've got like the 6, the 5, 6-inch phones, they're still just running the phone apps because, you know, you wouldn't have a... Like, because where does one end and, and the other begin? So they just run phone apps predominantly. There are some tablet-optimized stuff, and Google actually does a good uh, job of showing that off in the Play Store. But the fact that they still have to show that off to that level in the Play Store shows that there's a problem. They don't have a dedicated tablet Play Store. They have the Play Store, and then they have like the the editor's picks of tablet apps. Like you don't go to the iOS App Store and have the editor's pick of iPad apps because it's not necessary because the iPad App Store is, is like as big as the iPhone App Store, right? Um, but on and the things that you were saying to me, like when when we were talking about, it, like you said that Android was still not very, it didn't really feel good to you. It was you thought it wasn't very good looking. Like I don't agree with those things, and I think that it might be from using the phone. Like I've I've have a Nexus Seven, the original. I have a Nexus Four, and the difference in that experience is so vast to me. I actually think that the Android experience is good, is really good. Um, these days, you know, on the stock experience, and I don't think that the tablets are even nearly there yet. So, if you are interested, then you should probably pay attention to the Moto X announcement, which it will be tomorrow as we record this. And for and many people will already know about that phone. It's most likely going to be the like bang for buck wise the best Android phone you could buy. Yeah, potentially. I'm, I'm curious to see what they say. But what's what's interesting about this? So I, you know, I picked this up to do a full review, uh, which I did a very thorough in-depth review on 512 today, which I assume will be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, maybe the most in-depth review I've ever written. I won't spoil it. <laughs> okay, people can go and find it. And they can find the show notes at 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 7. But what's what's interesting, it really got me thinking about how I use my iPad. So I have the iPad mini, uh, the LTE model. And I've had every iPad. I had I had the three, and then switched to the mini. My wife has the the four. Um, I actually started thinking about my tablet usage, and if I were to be completely honest with myself, I really don't use my iPad all that much. Uh, I used it a lot in my previous job. I don't use it a lot in my job now, um, just for different reasons. And so, like you know, if I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to keep the Nexus 7 and the iPad mini. Like, that's crazy town. But, like, for, for a little, you know, a couple of minutes, I was thinking, well, what if I sold my iPad and, like, just kept the Nexus 7 around just to stay in tune with Android? Uh, because, you know, I don't use my, my tablet that much. The core things I use my iPad for, I, you know, those apps are there on the Nexus. I don't know. I just, it, it's really, it was kind of eye-opening to me. Like, my, my iPhone is my, like, my kind of go-to, like, mobile you know, ultra, I would say ultra mobile, super mobile computer. And I find myself, if I'm at home and I need to do something, I can do it quicker on the MacBook air most of the time. And, and now with this Haswell machine, the battery life is so good. I just, I don't know where the tablet lands for me right now. And, uh, I I don't have anything specific to, to do yet about that. You know, I have a couple more days before I'd have to return this Nexus if I return it. But, 
I know. Like, I mean, Mike, I think you had a pretty similar thing, right? Like you went through a phase where you weren't using your iPad so much, and then maybe you were again. Like my, my iPad usage has always directly coincided by my laptop. So when I was using an iMac, I used my iPad, my iPad 2, it probably was at the time, all the time. All the time I used it. Then I bought a MacBook Air and didn't use the full-sized iPad at all. Then I bought my iPad Mini, and I was using my iPad Mini all the time. Then I bought my Retina MacBook Pro, and now I don't use my iPad anymore. It, it's just about, I think, for me, is where do I get the best computing experience? And even though like a Mac and an iPad are two totally different things, you do totally different things on them, the main things that I'm doing at home... Um, on my computer, if you know, when I'm not recording shows, which obviously I can't do on an iPad, um, is checking Twitter, checking RSS, and checking email. And for me right now, the best place for me to do that is on my Retina MacBook Pro. I prefer to do it than on my iPad Mini. Hmm. Obviously, there are things like reading comic books. I read those on my iPad, and it's one of the only things that I use my iPad for. And, and um, to be clear, you've got an iPad 3? Or do you, no, have, you, have, not- you have a Mini. I have a mini, only a mini. What about you, Federico? What are you using? You know, I'm kind of in the opposite situation, and that is, um, I'm finding myself not wanting to use my Mac as much anymore because I can work from my iPad Mini just fine, and uh, and I've actually gone through uh, a few months ago to uh, like uh, more than a month without using my Mac at all for anything and um right now uh yeah like i said i find myself not you know this i've got a macbook air uh i bought it two years ago and um i just don't want to use it some days you know because this thing gets hot with the with the with the with the fans and it's got and it's got worse battery life and uh, and I gotta and I gotta manage all these windows and all these apps and sometimes they crash and and I, and I get the, sp- the 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 beach ball and uh, and you know I get all these pop-ups that scream for attention and uh, uh, maybe I'm just you know maybe I'm just getting old I don't know um, no I'm kidding I'm not getting old um, <laughs> uh, I just prefer working from my iPad these days. Because I mean, I gotta, I gotta do some writing. I gotta do some, some research. Maybe gotta type out a few emails and tweets. And the iPad is just perfect for me. Yeah. So uh, of course, maybe if I were like a fancy designer or you know developer or an engineer like Dr. Drang, I mean, of course I would, I would, I would, you know, find more, uh, I guess, joy in having to use a Mac. But for me, I, I just like my iPad Mini. Yeah, and I wonder how much of mine is that I switched to the Mini. You know, I reviewed it. I really like the Mini, but I don't... I've never really warmed up to typing on it uh, like I did on the full-size iPad. And I, I wonder if I would do more writing, if I would do more of that stuff, if I were to switch back to the larger size. I I think, for me, if I, if what I did online was not podcasting, I would probably use my, an iPad as my main home computer. Um, but even though I'm not recording on on the on that on this Retina MacBook Pro, um, I'm using a separate Mac for that. Um, I'm sitting at a desk 
for like the majority of the time that you know that I'm home because I'm recording and editing and etc. So when I'm sitting at a desk, for me, a, a laptop works best. And maybe if I wasn't doing that and was maybe sort of around the house, you know, sitting on a sofa or something, not doing anything, which would be lovely, um, I could, I would maybe then want to use a device more like an iPad, like like you say, Federico. It doesn't get hot because I'm holding it in my hands or I've got it on my lap, and then you know I, I don't want it to get hot, um, or it just does one thing at a time. Like I think in that situation. If I did, if or maybe if my my online endeavor was writing, then you know I could do that on an iPad really, really easily. Um, but I can't. I can't do what I do on, on an iPad. Are you saying that I sit on a sofa all day? No, you sit on the beach. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I see your point, and uh, and I guess uh, it's really about uh, even. If it's been three years that the iPad has, you know, has been on the market, it's really a, a, a really a, a very young device and, and a young, I guess, idea of being able to to work from from a tablet, and 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 I guess that Apple is uh, you know attacking the low end of of of, of user uh, workflows, so typing and reading and and maybe doing some sketching with a stylus. Those are really uh, relatively simple tasks. So if we want to do something more complex, like podcasting or, or I don't know, maybe uh, graphic design, uh, you're still going to need a Mac. But I guess that, 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 that uh, maybe five years from now, ten years from now, uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see uh, a, a, a lot of more people uh, wondering, why do I need a laptop? The same way that many of us today are, are, are asking themselves, Why do I need a desktop computer? Why do I need an iMac or a Mac Pro if I just can buy a MacBook? Yeah, see, I don't even know if I would upgrade to a new iPad. Like, I can't, I can't think right now why I would, what if I would do that? You know, if Apple was to release a new iPad Mini, even if it had a Retina screen. Yeah, which now rumors say uh, not to be that guy, but it. I think the Nexus 7 people, so the rumor is that they're not doing the Retina yet, which I tend to agree with for a lot of different kind of economic reasons. But like the Nexus 7 shows it is possible. And like it really, I mean, I've gotten accustomed to the iPad May display. Even if I pick up my wife's iPad, like it's not super jarring to go back to mine. But like the Nexus 7 and the iPad Mini side by side is pretty drastic. I think, you know, I think a Retina iPad Mini would be super awesome. I still don't know if it solves my question about like typing on it, but I think for a lot, I think a lot of people would update to it. Maybe. Oh yeah, totally. If if you use it, I mean, if I use my iPad Mini every day, I would upgrade to a Retina iPad Mini like as soon as possible. Um, but with the amount that I use it, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to. I have to wait and see. I guess it was like I didn't think I was going to get an iPad Mini, um, and then you know. I changed my mind, and I and I don't think I would ever go back to the full size iPad because that the full size iPad seems comically large to me now. Yeah, well, I I got one for Christmas because I wasn't expecting one, but then my girlfriend bought uh, uh, a 64 gig 3G top of the line model oh. for Christmas. Yeah, it was kind of a of a nice present. So uh, I gave her my iPad 3 because that was the right thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> and I bought. 
<laughs> and I bought her an iPhone 5. And, um, she got what she did well out of that. And are you yeah, happy? Uh, do you prefer the mini to the to the full size? The first few weeks were rough because, uh, you know, not having the Retina display was really jarring, and, uh, and uh, so the first few weeks were hard to you know to adjust to the new device. But uh, I still got a publish my review of the ipad mini actually but uh what i'm gonna <laughs> yeah Just in time for the next one <laughs> yeah talk about good timing right <laughs> and uh and uh, i think that what i'm gonna say eventually uh, is that i actually prefer the, the the form factor much better it's you know i can i can keep it in one hand without feeling pain on my wrist and uh, uh I, I, initially i thought that Seeing less of the display would be an issue for writing, but it's not been uh, that way for me. And um, yeah, if if a writing model doesn't come out this year, I don't think that I'm gonna upgrade. But then again, uh, maybe my girlfriend is gonna is gonna up- upgrade me. So. Ooh, there's a lot of love in that house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe uh, uh, I should award them with another, you know, timer coalescing. I should go. I think that right now she's leaving, so I can't go there and say that. <laughs> do, you yeah, need, do, you, do you need to go chase all, her down? <laughs> you know, you know, this, 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 all this timer thing has been very weird for me. Because she, she checks on Twitter every once in a while, and, and she sees people talking about timer coalescing to, to my girlfriend. <laughs> and she's like, what the hell did you say about me? And I'm, and I'm like, no, you know, I'm just talking about a CPU feature in Mavericks. And she's like, but people are saying that you're that you're sexy and and, and stuff, and I'm like, no, you know, people are people on the internet are crazy. <laughs> Don't listen to these guys. Oh man, maybe we- I mean there is a f- there is a fake koala account. It's the best Twitter account that exists. We put that in the show notes. Yeah, what is it? Uh, Timer koala Timer koala sing right? Timer koala sing. Right? Yeah. Yep. It is. Yeah, uh, it's kind of. Whatever that thing he or she it is, you know, it's my soulmate. It's a constant source of joy for me throughout the day. Yeah. Did you say it was yeah. your soulmate? No wonder your girlfriend has problems with it. <laughs> you know, kind of my, my, my internet soulmate. Yeah, it's like Mike for me. <clears throat> That's, oh, I heard you say oh. that on another podcast today. Oh, oh yeah, so sweet. I did say that about you on a, another podcast. We should do some. App, we should do some app picks. Weekly picks because we've been recording yeah. for like nine hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I pick this week a uh, a Mac app called Moom M O O M, built by the guys over at Mini Tricks. And th- there are a lot of apps like this, I should say. And I've used other apps like this. And what Moom basically does, it kind of gives you uh, some better window management for OS ten. So if you think back to uh, Windows Vista and seven. And now eight has a feature called uh, AeroSnap, where like if you it like resize a window to the side of your screen or full screen kind of automatically, and it brings that to OS ten. And Moom does a lot more than that. That's all I use it for. Uh, you can also go in and save uh, snapshots or settings. So you could say I always want you know this window to be eight hundred pixels by six hundred pixels, and I always want it dead center in the screen. Um, and it's really helpful for me. Uh, I use a MacBook Air, and I have it usually in clamshell mode with an external display at work. 
And then, you know, I unplug it, I take it to the conference room, I open it, and my apps are all over the place, right? Like iTunes, I can only see a sliver of it because it was full screen, and now it's not, and all sorts of craziness. And Moo makes it very easy to organize that. Most of the time, I use my apps as big as I can get them, but not in full screen mode. And um, it's just a nice way to kind of uh, organize that stuff a little bit better. So, Moom, 10 bucks on the... Uh, it's on the App Store. I think I own the... Um, I think I own the non-App Store version. There are a few differences because, you know, apps like this kind of have, have, have had to vacate the Mac App Store because they do kind of system-level stuff. So I own the non-App Store version, but um, well worth the 10 bucks if you're, you know, resizing Windows all the time. Federico, what do you have? My app is uh, Take 5 from the Icon Factory. And, uh, and I realized that it, it may not be exactly... Uh, recent app it's been around for i don't know maybe a couple of years but it's still so good and, and it's one of the apps that i use every day uh, like a hundred times per day and it, it basically it does two things uh the main feature of the app is the one that i don't use and because it, it basically lets you pause your music from a variety of sources like it supports itunes and audio and spotify and it lets you uh, put music, you know, kind of on hold for five minutes. So, like, if you take a phone call or if you gotta, you know, go to the other room and say Tamar coalescing, if you if you need to do, <laughs> if you, you know, if you need to do stuff for five minutes, this app can pause only, your music. Only five minutes, Federico. Only five minutes because <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, so, it's quick business. I mean, w- <laughs> one. Uh, Jesus, guys. One has work to do in the afternoon. So, anyway. So, I was saying, if, an, if you need to take a five-minute break or whatever it is your business, uh, this app can pause your music and automatically resume it when you're back. But this is, this is not the, the feature that I rely upon. What I use Take 5 for is, to, is for the keyboard shortcuts, which are awesome. And basically, this app can communicate directly with RDO, which is, you know, the, the music streaming service, which has a Mac app. And what I do is uh, I use Take 5 to pause RDO with, with, a, with a keyboard shortcut that's Command, Option, Control, P, <laughs> and to show... I'm trying to do that with my fingers. That's a lot of... Yeah, it's really easy because it's three finger in the bottom left and one finger on the P. So... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> Do you want me to change the shortcut? Please. Uh, are you not comfortable with my shortcut? <laughs> so you pause RDO I and pause. restart it because RDO RDO can it can hijack the media keys right? But it's sort of janky. Like sometimes yeah, you, but sometimes that, you that have pause w- and iTunes starts for no reason. Yeah, and I it hate never, that so much. It never works for me. So I use Take 5. But listen, because this is not the only shortcut that you can use. The second shortcut, which is Command, Control, Option, F, uh, it lets me see the, the, the song that's currently playing in a pop-up that comes up from the menu bar. And it's got the song title and the artist and the nice uh, little artwork for the, for the song. So if, if I'm listening to something and I can't remember maybe the, the, the album's name or the artist or, or the song's name, I can just hit my shortcut, which is not the one with the P, is the one with the F, and uh, and I can you know kind of quickly take a look 
and see, oh, hey, that's the song. And, uh, and it's really a lovely app. And, uh, and I really, and I really uh, love the, the, the fact that it's really simple. It sits there in the, menu, in the menu bar. It's four bucks on the Mac App Store. So highly recommend it. So um, my app that, that I wanted to pick today is uh, Ember by Real Mac Software. Um, Ember is a is a really full featured application. I use it for a couple of cool things, but I wanted to say about some of the cool things that it does. So Ember is like a, a digital scrapbook, like for images. So one thing that they have, like you can um, you can subscribe to RSS feeds of websites, and uh, they will, all the images will automatically be pulled into Ember. So people use that for like I don't know, subscribe to like Pinterest stuff or. Um, like a, a blog that you like, you know, if, if you're one of those people that likes to look at pictures of minimal desks, this could be a great way for you to do that. They have browser extensions that allow you to save web pages right into Ember really quickly. Um, they have one thing that I think is really cool is it has a built-in browser in the application, and you can within the application, if you're searching, like if you're on the browser in the app in Ember, you can change the browser width, and it will capture so you can capture websites at iphone and ipad resolution as well as mac resolution so like if you want to see what your um browsers look like at, like with responsive stuff and you can take screenshots of them and annotate them because it has annotations built in but what i really really like the app for is the screenshot functionality that it has so it could do the, the ones that you'd expect like full screen full screen uh timed full screen um and like a window but i really like um that you can do like an area um like an area uh screenshot so you can select an area but it's not like a click and drag like most applications it throws up like a box which has um like resizing points so you can it dims around it dims the screen everywhere around except that box that it creates and you can drag um drag and drop it around the page and you can make it larger or smaller and then take the picture and then it saves those into the ember um into it like the library that it creates for you but what and i use that so i will take like screenshots of things that i think are cool or things that i want to remember that happen in my life that happen on the internet and then i drag them into day 1 and that, it's just a little thing that I like to do, and it works out pretty well for me. And it's for that for that thing alone, just the way that I can you can just dra- you can drag the images, so I can drag them into Dropler, I can drag them into Cloud App, um, I can drag them into Day One, I can drag them into Twitter, etc. And uh, I just really like it. It's just a nice way to ma- for me to manage screenshots and stuff like that. And it's available in the Mac App Store. For an amount of money that I can't remember from the top of my head, um, I think it's fifty bucks. Yeah, it's thirty four ninety nine pounds. So I, th- I think it's fifty dollars. Um, let me uh, let me look. Oh, it's so the editor, editor's choice right now. That's awesome. Excellent. Can, it uh, yeah, is I, uh, loading. I really like the guys, and um, yeah, fifty yeah. bucks. I don't know if you, you should disclose such things, but I was a beta tester of the application. Oh man, you're you're telling your secrets. Is that is that how is that how, what we call it, Federico? They secrets. I mean, I don't. You know, I'm not. I'm not really usually that cool. I don't know. Secret secret business, maybe. Secret business. That secret business. Secret business. Right. Are we done? So is that a wrap for today, gentlemen? Yeah. So uh, you can find <laughs> us. You can find us all online. Uh, Federico and Stephen. They have great blogs. Federico writes uh, MacStories.net, 
and uh, Stephen Hackett, he writes at 512pixels.net. Uh, Federico, he is on Twitter. He is at Viticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Uh, me and Stephen, we are also on Twitter. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. He is I-S-M-H. And I just want to point something out. We are Me and Stephen are neck and neck right now on followers. So prompt listeners, vote with your dollars as to who you think is, should, is, should be the more popular out of between yeah, the two of yeah, us. Yeah, because like two weeks ago... You said something about how you're always like 80 people behind me, and now you're three people behind me. I actually overtook you for a period of time today. Sorry, what is this, like a beauty contest? Look, you have like 200 million followers, all right? Me and Stephen yeah. need to get every single one that we can. And yes, it is a beauty contest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just think it'll be interesting to see where we are next week. <laughs> so what happens to the winner? Do they... They're, to they're, popular. they're not killed. Oh, nice. By okay. you. <laughs> by, by me? <laughs> Wait. No. I, I, I'm an extremely gentle... Killer. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, at least two of us will be back next week, depending on whoever wins out of the, me and, the race between me and Steven. Uh, hey, thank you on, very much. On. If you die, will your mom send me the mixer? Yeah. Okay. Why his mom? You know, because she has the fastest access to the mixer. Oh, okay. So, you nice. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and what do I get? Uh, you can have my microphone. You... I don't know, man. You touch that with your lips. I don't touch my microphone with my lips. <laughs> we need to talk about Are your you sure? Federico. We need to talk yeah. about your mic technique. <laughs> uh, no, I got a pop filter, so I don't touch anything. <laughs> yeah, I have a pop filter too. I don't know. You you guys in, in Britain or, you know, UK, whatever. You guys are kind of weird. And right, I know that people are going to send me the link to the video that explains the difference between UK and Great Britain. Everybody, please and, send that and, you know, Federico. No, please don't. Because I watched the video and I, and I swear I really appreciate your, you know, your support. But I just can't fix that in my mind. So uh, I'm really confused. I know that Mike lives in London, and I, and I have a rough idea as to where London is. <laughs> Just about, I know that there's been like some sort of a royal baby or whatever, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really happy for for you guys for having a, a baby. And uh, <laughs> whoever, <laughs> thank you. I don't know who's this baby. But anyway, yeah. So the point is, I don't want your mic. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. We'll be back next week. Say goodbye, everyone. Arrivederci. Adios.